Hi, I'm Joel McMahon, pastor at San Philip United Methodist Church in San Philip, Texas, and I'd like to welcome you to our broadcast this week. Now, before we begin, let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for this day. And we thank you for this time that we have together with you. And uh, we pray, O oh God, that uh, as we uh, study your word, that you will speak to our hearts this morning, Lord God. And Lord, uh, I do also want to lift up those who are ill uh, that are listening today, that you would touch them with your healing grace and just restore them to health. Those who are facing different issues, Lord God, uh, financially, emotionally, uh, in their relationships, no matter what's going on in their lives, right where they need you, O oh God, as they hold that burden up to you, just lift it from them, Lord God, and bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Well, our scripture today is found in 1 John, the fourth chapter. We're just going to be looking at the 19th and the 20th verses. Well, actually the 19th or the 21st verses. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. This particular passage begins off, we love because he first loved us. And that is a wonderful truth for you and for me to realize. Everything starts with God's love for us. Everything. Like your understanding of who you are, your understanding of why you are in the world, of what your purpose in this world is, your understanding of your past, your present, your future, everything hinges on his love for you, on God's love for us in Christ Jesus. If you do not have God's love in Christ, well, let's see, if we do have God's love in Christ, let me put it that way, it changes everything. It changes our identity. It changes our future. It changes our eternity. It changes our relationships with all the people around us. It all hinges on realizing, believing God loved us first. As a result of his love for us, uh, who he has made us to be in Christ and what he has called us to do in our lives or what we do. We do what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love. We love him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We love him and then we love others. We want to reflect his love for us in our relationship with others. We want to love people he loves because we love him. And if we really love him, we're going to want to love those people that he loves. We're connected to him in a very real way through the Holy Spirit's presence within us. And this affects the way that we relate to others in our homes and our families, whether it's friends we live with, whether it's brothers, sisters, moms, dads, children, husbands, wives, it affects the way we love the people we work with, the people we live around, 
It affects the way we love people in our cities. It affects the way we love people around the world. When you realize that you were a base sinner, dead in your trespasses and not able to do a thing to be saved, and God loved you so much that he made a way for you to be his, it changes you. It should change you. In fact, uh, it's a matter of moving on to perfection. We, we read the word five different times in this epistle to John, or, or from John, 1 John. Five times we hear the word perfected in love. And he's talking about moving on in our love. Being uh, in a relationship with God is a relationship where we are continually growing in our connection with him. As we grow in our connection with him, we grow in our connection with each other. Somebody once said that you could uh, say it this way. We give as much of ourselves as we know to as much of God as we understand. We're always going to be growing. Uh, one of the, uh, you know, uh, well, I'm just going to share with you uh, an example of uh, that pretty well lets you see what God does in our lives. I've, I took up knife making about a year and a half ago, and I just love it because you take an ugly chunk of wood and a piece of scrap metal that maybe was going to be thrown away. In fact, my last knife that I made was made out of a, a, a saw blade. The one I'm working on right now is ma being made out of an antique, rusty, old sawmill saw blade. And I just finished up a beautiful knife made out of another piece of this sawmill blade. But the thing about it is, is that you take an ugly, rusty old piece of metal and a chunk of wood, and in the end, you have a beautiful utilitarian work of art. And I just love to do that. But there, you, you see, it goes through a process. First of all, you wind up with just the shape of the knife. Sometimes it's beaten and forged. Sometimes it's just cut out of an old piece of steel. But you wind up with a rough shape of the knife. And then that shape and the finish gets refined more and more and more. And sometimes along the way, it gets kind of messy. I had a knife that I just finished about a week and a half ago that at one point, it was the ugliest mess you ever saw. It looked like a steel and mahogany porcupine with epoxy quills sticking out all over it. It just was not a pretty thing at all. But by the time it was finished, it was pristine. It was beautiful. And you could actually hold it up and you could see your reflection in the blade, just like in a mirror. From, from ugliness to beauty. And this is a process that the Lord takes us through. It's called the process of sanctification. He loved us while we were unlovable and unlovely, while we were ugly in sin. And he's taken us, and in loving us, he loves us into different creatures. He transforms us. 
And so, and that's the way it should be. But listen to these words again. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Sadly, as I read these words this past week, I had a whole bevy of church meetings, counseling sessions, and home visits uh, just parade through my head. I have seen church members, not in my current church, mind you, they're all a bunch of saints. They're fantastic. But I've had church members in the past that could be so ugly and inconsiderate of each other. And it has to be so grievous to the Lord. I've seen them be just flat mean to each other. In church meetings, in worship services, I've seen them just be ugly. I have seen people who call themselves Christian be mean to each other and their children in their homes. And it has to be so grievous to our Lord and Savior. Every day, I see people living hatefully toward each other in our country. When I started looking at this passage at the first of the week and was talking to Sharon about it, I told her that a song had popped into my mind. Uh, how many of you remember the song, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire? It's from a couple of three decades ago. I told Sharon that's what I was thinking about calling this sermon. It's making that the title of the sermon. Liar, liar, pants on fire, because there's so many people that say they love God, and yet they hate their brother. And John is saying, if that's the case, you're a liar. Therefore, I thought this would just be a great title. So I told my wife about that, and she didn't think that was a very good idea. She said it should be something a little more positive than that. And she told me that the song that popped into her head was, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. And you know, she is right. It's needed more than anything else today. But there's another song that popped in my head this morning as I was uh, getting ready to preach for the first time. And the name of that song is, Where is the Love? Where is the Love? Just imagine what the news would be like if people were handling the real problems of our country and the world with mutual respect, if they were identifying the real problems and then working together to solve them, working toward a mutually acceptable solution to the problem. Imagine if churches really lived out of this. Imagine what our homes would be like if none were filled with meanness and self-centeredness, imagine schools without bullying. Imagine a world without sex trafficking. No one need even mention racism or sexism if people would be living out of the love that God wants to pour out in our hearts. That is what our world needs now. And in this passage, the Lord is admonishing us, those who name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to make sure that our lives line up with our lips. We, in the household of faith, need to make sure that our profession 
is not a prevarication, that what we say about ourselves is not a lie. It says again, listen to this, if anyone says they love God and hate their brother, they're a liar. And let's face it, if these words are true, there are a whole lot of people calling themselves Christian who haven't gotten started in their Christian walk yet. But that doesn't mean that you can't get started. And so uh, if that's you, if you're one of those that's been mean and hateful to other people, please keep listening. You know, I think the problem comes from not really understanding what it means to hate from a biblical standpoint. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago when we read that Jesus told us that if we didn't hate our families, we couldn't follow him. And we saw that in that context, it means to love less. We cannot love anyone more than we love Jesus. We can put no one above Jesus, not even ourselves. He has to be first. But when it comes to those around us, we're to love them the same as we love ourselves. Listen to what Jesus told us in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the 35th through the 40th verses. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And then he said, The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So you see how important love of God and love of people are? If you're not doing that, you're breaking the whole law. In the first commandment, we see God has to be first. He trumps everything. But in the second, we see that we're to love our neighbor, that's everyone we come in contact with, as much as we love ourselves. That means that we'll practice the golden rule and we'll do unto others as we would have others do unto us. That means we don't love them less, but also we don't love them more. That means uh, that we should all be regarding everyone around us as worthy of respect of having boundaries we don't cross, of rights to their own opinions, and we should be treating them in an honorable and respectful way. Somehow people have gotten it into their heads and hearts that Christian love just means that you don't want to kill someone. I don't know where that came from, but I've actually had people honestly tell me this, and I have seen uh, uh, preachers uh, say this. It's just amazing. But I discovered something that I think will really help us get our head around what hatred of those around us is really like from a biblical perspective. I tried to find this in the commentaries connected with this passage, and everybody just wants to talk about love like we all know what hate is. And I think our real problem is we haven't identified hate so we can stop it. Since hate is the opposite of love, I just took 1 Corinthians 13 and reversed it. You see, 1 Corinthians 13 
is uh, the best definition of love that you can find in the Bible. It tells us what love is. That's just what it says. And so I just want us to look here at 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, we're just going to be looking at the fourth through the eighth verses. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 4. Listen to this. And as you listen to it, I ask you to put your own name in the place of love and ask yourself prayerfully, openly before God, does this describe me today? Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. So if you inserted your name in there, would that describe you? Or if you turn it around and get a definition of hate, does this describe you? Here we go. And you can just put your name where I say hatred or hate. Hatred is impatient and unkind. Hatred is envious and boastful. Hatred is arrogant and rude. Hatred insists on having its own way. Hatred is grumpy and irritable and resentful. Hatred rejoices at wrongdoing, but grieves about the truth. Hatred is intolerant, skeptical, pessimistic, and doesn't put up with anything. Hatred will come to an end. Now, whenever I put it that way, which fits you the most? There is your biblical definition of what hatred is. Now, the question for us all this morning, does our life line up with our lips? Are we saying we love God and loving our neighbor? Or are we saying we love God and we hate our neighbor? How are you treating your children? How are you speaking to your wife? How do you treat people in church whenever there's conflict going on in the church? If your life does line up, then I encourage you to rejoice because you are abiding him and he in you and you are moving on to perfection. If the second one describes you, then the Lord's given you a wake-up call this morning and he is showing your, your growing edge and he is calling you to move on to perfection. He's calling you 
to be that person that he created you to be and that deep inside you have been longing to be. This moment is the first moment of the rest of your life and he is offering you a brand new start. Remember it said at the beginning, we love because he first loved us. Even if you're being, if you have, if you've discovered that you have been hateful and didn't even know it, you can repent and you can say, oh God, I had no idea that I was offending you so. Forgive me, oh God, and help me from this moment on to live the life that you have me to live. If this is the case, and if you want to receive, but if you don't have that, that love in your heart, it's because you haven't received God's love into your heart and you haven't been transformed. And I want to encourage you today to just surrender to him. Give, his, give your life to him. Resolve from this moment on, you're going to live your life so that it fits that first part. And you're going to live your life so that God is above all Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. If you'd like to make him your Lord right now, just pray this prayer with me. Oh Lord, I realize today, after hearing this, just how self-centered I have been in my life. Oh God, forgive me. Help me to set myself aside for you so I can have the life that you want to give me. I surrender my life to you. And I ask that you come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and that you would reign there and that from this moment on, you would guide me. And Lord, I, I, help me to hear your, your voice, help you to hear and understand your word as you guide me and direct me from this moment on. I give myself to you and I thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross to forgive me and to make a way so that we could have union one with the other. Come into my heart, and Lord, I pray for those that prayed this prayer, that you would fulfill your promise that those who love you, that you would come to them and make your abode within them through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thank you for being with us today, and I hope that we'll see you next week, either here or out at San Philip Church. Until next time, goodbye and God bless.